All right, we got a special episode of the Idiom Perspective podcast for you today. We're doing the first ever guest interview, and it is with none other than my man, David Moreno. I'm extremely excited just to be in the presence of this wonderful human being, and I'm so grateful that he is sharing some of his time and energy with me. We've known each other for about four years now, and I've never had even a single second of a negative interaction with him. He was the very first person that I talked to about the idea for this podcast, and his initial encouragement and feedback was crucial for me to ultimately make this decision to create the podcast and create the Idiom Perspective Network as a whole. And it was during that first conversation when I fully committed to making this thing happen. And at the end of that conversation, I told him that he was going to be the first guest that I would interview. And now here we are, less than two months later, actually making it happen. David fucking Moreno, welcome to the podcast, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you, Greg. Oh, yeah, it's man. an honor to be here. And uh, it's really cool to see where this is how far this has come yeah man it's it's been quick i'm i'm pumped for the conversation oh man. absolutely oh all right so before we get going with all the questions um i just want to give a little bit of context for the listeners since this is the first guest interview that i've ever done in my life never interviewed anybody at all so i always want to start off with my life purpose that gives a lot of context for people here So my life purpose is to absorb, cultivate, and distribute perspective. The purpose of the Idiom Perspective Network, which is this podcast and the blog and all the different social media outlets, is to serve as a platform for others to do the same, to absorb, cultivate, and distribute perspective. More generally, it is intended to simply celebrate perspective. So it's to celebrate the fact that every single one of us has a unique view of life, a view of life which has been formed and influenced by an infinite combination of other perspectives and other experiences. And that's the point of the conversation today. So I'm going to be talking to David and basically just trying to uncover some of his deepest insights and how they came to be. I want to learn about what has influenced him and how he wants to be able to influence others. And so you can think of this less as just a question and answer type interview and more as just a regular conversation. Um, So just an intermingling of two minds guided by some of my questions. So with that, we're going to get right into it. All right, let's do it. All right, David, tell me where you're from. Uh, I currently live uh, in College Park, Maryland, but uh, family-wise, oh, I'm an Army brat. So home is, it it wanders. Yeah. Yeah. All right, tell me a little bit more about that. Where where do you start off? Where are some of the, maybe yeah. just some of the more significant places where you've been? Right. Um, so I was born in Wisconsin, and my, my parents had me there, of course. And then uh, my dad joined the Army, and we've, um, most memorably, is Italy. I lived there for six and a half years. And then uh, Washington State, uh, New York, Kansas. Kansas was another long time there six and a half years the other places were ranges from two weeks to you know a couple years maybe you know and then uh finally ended up here so all right and how long you been here now oof let's see uh it this past summer was 11 years okay yeah so it's been a while yeah it has been how old are you now 24 24 all right so it's been almost half your life since you settled down yeah yeah it's it's pretty cool it's pretty cool because um I mean, we we you know don't want to give too much away from our conversations from before this, but uh, it's weird. It's weird being grounded like somewhere. Yeah, you know? yeah. 
uh, I could imagine. I can't really relate to it at all. Hey, but uh, yeah. I could imagine. I've been in Frederick, Maryland my entire life. So Right. And you can throw a rock to your high school. Right? <laughs> Basically, That's yeah. That's right. <laughs> so how do you feel like that maybe uh, influenced you and in, in the way that you developed um, you know, your mindset and kind of the way that you view the world moving around so much? Yeah, I've, I've actually struggled with this for such a long time. My... Uh, What's it called? I guess as a as a kid, I, I got made fun of a lot because I was this kid that every year I would go to school. This is embarrassing, but um, I would always cry. Like after the end of every school year, I would go home and just either at school, I'd bawl my eyes out or I'd go home and I'd cry. And the reason was it was because it was every time the school year changed, that meant I had to move. And so like I'd build bonds with other people. And uh, like as I got older, it was just kind of like, Oh, like, well, it's just moving now, you know, like it just yeah. became now a normal thing. So like building friendships was kind of like, I don't know, like I made a lot of friends, but I had to quickly define what friend was. Yeah, I can see that. So yeah. take me through a little bit. Like, how do you how do you think that affected your your social development? You know, kind of yeah. compared to someone who might have, you know, stayed in one area for most of their childhood. Yeah, for sure. I think uh I'm very easygoing. Like I've been told, I, I I I don't know a stranger, and I think that's the reason why is because like I constantly had to just talk to new people all the time, always. Like whether it was at school or, you know, around my neighborhood, you know, I there was always new neighbors because military housing. Mm-hmm. Even if I would stay in a place like I lived in Kansas for six and a half years, but my friends they came and went. So it's it's uh, it was just it's like a constant rotation of new people in my life. Hmm. So that's pretty cool that you were you were actually able to turn that situation into like more of a more of a positive thing for your life. Yeah, no, absolutely. If, if that was me in that situation, um, I could definitely see myself kind of taking that the opposite way, right. where I'll just be like, "Fuck this!" Like I'm not talking to anybody because they're yeah. not going to be here anyway. Right. Yeah. You know, how how do you think that you were actually able to do that, you know, to flip that and make something positive? Yeah, I think um honestly, uh one of my inspirations growing up it was uh Jackie Chan. I know we're, yeah. we're jumping a bit, but uh <laughs> it's just because um like well we we talked about this before, but Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee was always more stoic, very, you know, like just overall like this powerful like being, you know, like he was like like in the DC universe, he's Superman. Like the man is just, you know, he's really nobody can touch him. So if you're a Batman fan, that's not, you know. Uh, but Jackie Chan, it was how animated he was. And like he could always just kind of work his way into uh, any situation and figure it out. Like he'd fight people with pinball machines or like, you know, work around stuff. And so for me, I it was my goal to be like Jackie Chan in a sense with like socially. So it was like. Oh, like just just talk to this person, even though if they're like not feeling it, just kind of feel them out, observe them, and then try and you know get them to warm to you. It's interesting. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. That's dope. Because b- before we started recording, we were just talking about how like I had always looked up to Bruce Lee. So that's a right. that's a really good like analysis of of those two different you know very influential people. Right. Um, yeah. And then how that relates to our personalities. I can I can totally see that now that you say it too. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Uh, so I wanted to ask you about your childhood, but I think, you know, you kind of touched it on, on it already. Um, but in addition to what you've already said about, you know, moving around 
and uh, kind of having to develop a different sort of social dynamic at an earlier age. Um, is there anything that sticks out specifically that you would consider to be like a foundational experience that you've had? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, everyone knows me as a fitness buff, like uh, just like for better or for worse, you know, like uh, whether it's like a meathead term because I exercise a lot or not. Um, but it's all because my dad, like my dad uh, being in the military, yeah, I'd, every weekend um, I would go and uh, he'd take me for PT tests. <laughs> yeah, every weekend. So every weekend I was running the two miles. Every weekend I was doing the push-ups and the sit-ups. And is I was actually just talking about this to somebody else. It was it was just so funny because my whole life being on a military base that 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 that's your population. That's it. And so all I've known were people that had to be fit because of the job. And if you weren't, you you were out of the military. You know. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so everyone just breeded fitness, you know, like it, you had to be fit in order to survive in that environment. Yeah. And you were definitely looked down upon if you weren't fit cuz obviously you you can't hold your position. Yeah. You know, and if you, and now when I think about it, I mean serving in if you think about it, our country's military, if you can't even pass those that simple test, then it's you know obviously we need to work on that. Can't expect to fight on the front lines, for sure, man. Yeah. Uh, so I also wanted to ask you about what your parents did and how that might have influenced you. So you, know, you spoke about your dad, of course. What about your mom? Yeah. So my mom, she, my parents are both uh, immigrants from Mexico. So I think that's where I get a lot of also like uh, I've always believed in like hard work. Uh, my mom's worked with kids. Uh, she used to be like. Um, she work at like child youth centers and stuff like just working with kids all the time whether it was like infants you know, like babysitting in a sense or uh like middle middle schoolers getting them to do like actual activities that may stimulate their brains and stuff versus like nowadays where you're sitting on your tablet yeah <laughs> but uh yeah so my mom did that she both of them uh, i actually in terms of family, those are like the closest. Like I was never close to my grandparents, so exposure to them was very little. But my mom, yeah, she was just super hardworking. Can't she's always working all the time. You feel like you take more from your mom or from your dad? Uh, I think definitely from my dad. Like uh, genetically, I I look just like him, which is for better or for worse because I know how I'm gonna look when I'm older. <laughs> you know, um, but. Yeah, I think uh, his attitude, uh, he was always like, like even when he came home, he'd be like, I'm going for a run. And just, you know, like he would play with us, but it was always like asking us like just, I don't know, the way that he thinks is the same way I think and process things now. Mm. Yeah. Cool, man. So you you mentioned both your parents from Mexico. Yeah. You speak a second language. You speak Spanish. Yeah, I speak Spanish. Uh, it's not fluent, but I can get around for sure. Um, my parents are actually really bad about teaching me Spanish. Mm-hmm. They were uh, they they were, they were better with me than my younger brother. But um, my younger brother, there was a point where he said, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, put him on blast. But he mm-hmm. said, you know, like I. I, I don't want to hear Spanish right now, you know. So it's because it was like, oh, you have to think about it, I guess, or whatever. But for me, it was like. I don't know. I always just felt kind of, I guess, like they, they call it, you know, like Mexican pride. You know, like I always liked the ad- that idea that 
uh, versus like a lot of the kids that I knew on the military bases, I could, I understood this other language, but my parents never banked on that and they never fed to that. Yeah. In high school, I tried to take Spanish as an easy A, <laughs> and my dad was like, man, you're going to sign up for Spanish 1? You got Spanish Infinity right here? You know, like, <laughs> I'm Mexican, bro. Like, I teach you. I, I can teach uh, you. And so I signed up for French, and I, I took four years of French. I have no idea how to speak French, though. I can't ask how to go to the bathroom. That's it. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah. So recently, I've been really interested um, in people who are bilingual or, mm-hmm. or multilingual. And, you know, I've just been thinking so much recently about how language just completely dominates the way that humans, you know, perceive the world around them and how we, right. you know, interact with the world around us, how we understand it. Um, is, is there anything specific that you could think of right now where, you know, having that, that second language, even if you weren't completely fluent in it, um, where having that second language, like, has really altered your view of the world? You know, the way you perceive things, the way that you make sense of things. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I think um, speaking Spanish because of, like, the syntax is makes me think about kind of the structure, not only of, like, how I want to speak. You know, like, I think, like we say the White House, they say Casablanca. So they describe the house. They say house first, then describe it after. Mm-hmm. So in, uh, that also makes me think about kind of getting you know uh deeper into all the other things in my life where i think even deeper about how i organize those thoughts in my head because of that um yeah so i think that's the biggest way that that makes me kind of switch up my view on different things whether it's you know in school or in in the streets Mm. (laughs) in the streets in the streets (laughs) cool man i appreciate that yeah um so i also wanted to ask you who did you look up to as a kid? And I know yeah. you, you mentioned Jackie Chan already. Yeah, Does anybody yeah. else come to mind? Any um any athletes, you know, sports figures? Uh man. Uh so funny enough, I mean I I didn't have like a, a typical um youth in terms of sports. Like I played sports, but I never was around a TV. Like uh I just like I think living in Italy I was there up till third grade and we had a, our TV would only play Schoolhouse Rock. And I was like, I'm not staying at home watching this. So I'd always go outside. And so when it comes to like youth, I mean, of course, we all know Michael Jordan. But um, even in my head when everyone was like, oh, Michael Jordan, this and that, like I never was on it. So I, honestly, I'd say truly that my sports figure would have been like or athletic figure would have been Jackie Chan. Mm-hmm. I rewatch all his movies all the time. I watch him, you know, like how he does parkour around in his martial arts. Like that was... That was definitely the biggest influence for me. Mm. Hell yeah. So what else were you interested in as a kid? Obviously, we've talked about the, the fitness and the sports. Mm. Um, but what, what were the kinds of things that you just felt like you were naturally drawn to, whether it's you know, something in school or you know, another hobby outside of school, anything you know, maybe your parents kind of subjected you to? Yeah, um, long period of my life was actually driven around art like I would draw like so much uh I never I was never great in grade school so like drawing was like much more fun because I could create my own you know my own reality in in the confines of you know what, what school was right on a piece of paper yeah what or kind of on things desk. would you draw cartoons like I was very animated so I would <laughs> my teachers would get mad because I would animate them in my world like what they were saying like it's kind of like you see like some <laughs> 
kid movie where it's like, oh, you're drawing the teacher, you know, and she's saying something dumb. And I would like actually do that, but I would draw everybody else in my room and like what they're thinking about and kind of look at them and try and do caricatures and stuff. And, um, or like make my own comic books. Like there was a time in, I think, fifth grade, if I remember correctly, I would try and sell comics. <laughs> yeah. And I say sell comics that you made? Comics that I made. Yeah. yeah. I'd, every week I'd make a strip and I would give it to people in class. And I would read, like, I'd, uh-huh. I'd do the one and then, like, make sure it was good. And then I'd copy it and people would ask for it, which was pretty funny because I, I'm like, now you asked me what it was, I can't even tell you. <laughs> yeah. So that's that awesome. Was, yeah. So it was drawing. And then a little bit later on, I got interested in, um, in acting. Uh, my mom mm-hmm. put me in a couple of things, like, so, like, some improv um, and then, like, local plays, like mm-hmm. Christmas stories and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's it. Yeah. What kind of things do you feel like you were naturally good at? Like, was, was the art something that you were naturally good at, so then you became interested in it? Or was it that you were just curious, so you became interested in it, and then you became good at it because of something that you just kept doing? I feel like uh, definitely the, the art was something I was just naturally good at. Like, I could just, in my head, like, picture something, and then just, like, my hand would be able to replicate that so and then later on i guess i refined it for sure hmm. I, I mean without even having to refine it too much it was like i was like this 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 uh is a way i can express what I, what's in my head you know so that was already enough but not needing to take a class on anything like hmm. that you know nice so one of the last things I want to get into, um, sort of about your childhood, and then we'll we'll bring it to more of the present tense. Um, what do you feel like was your identity? Um, and we can take this two ways. What do you think your identity was, like from from your point of view that you constructed, and then from the other side, what do you think that your identity was from other people's point of view? Because a lot of times those things can be different, and they can certainly influence each other. Yeah, that's a yeah again such a good question. Yeah, it's you know the purpose of this is to gain perspective not only on like you from me but me and myself, right? Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I mean the way that I guess I saw myself. I mean I wasn't really like I definitely whenever I talk about myself as uh, when I was younger, I was just not I wasn't a great student because I was not because I was dumb, but just because I was uninterested in in a lot of what that was that was offered in school. Um, so, I mean, I don't even know how I would describe myself, but just like, uh, kind of like happy go lucky kid that just didn't have any, you know, wasn't interested in school, but just more about like, I just wanted to, I was kind of selfish, I guess, cause I just wanted to work on whatever I wanted to work on. And then I, I liked to really make people laugh and like talk to people. And, um, I think definitely like I would describe myself in the eyes of other people. I, I'm guaranteed that people thought I was so annoying because I'd be like talking to them. And they'd be like, dude, like this is this is like on our math test, you know, like or whatever. In elementary school, they were worried about that. And even now up into actually college, I, I, I wisened up. But yeah, even in high school, I, and I was the yeah, same thing. Yeah, just I was more like um, that I just didn't really care. Like, he was just, like, I mean, I don't know, just super laid back and, and that uh, definitely that studies or, my, frankly, my future because, you know, studies, uh, at that at that point, everyone thought that your studies, 
is a reflection on how you do in the future. And so it was like, oh, that kid doesn't care. He's, yeah. he's, you know, he's not going anywhere, you know, type of deal. So he's annoying. He's funny, but annoying <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. So you feel like you identify with that for a while though? Absolutely. Yeah. Like up, like up through college? Yeah. Up through, uh, yeah. Well, I guess it changed a little bit into high school cause I guess I became more of a, a jock actually middle school. Cause then I, like I played soccer uh, for a long time and um, I, n- I never really like told people, I guess, like I never wore like, I guess nowadays kids would wear like their soccer jerseys to class and I, I never did that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I would just, yeah, into into high school then it started like being, I guess, more of like your standard jock. Like I worked out and I played sports. Um, middle school was more like skater boy. Oh, absolutely skater boy like my hair was down to my chest and i wore skinny jeans i mean newer skater boy not like the uh, the cooler older kids you know but um yeah so i guess yeah that's that's how I, it's just been kind of like a wave to like the kid that's cracking jokes in class so class clown there you go that'd be perfect class clown to like at that time i guess social deviant with the skateboarding and i'd never sk- i would skip class and I would just, you know, always be on my board, never really cared what anybody thought. Like, I never drank. Uh, I first was introduced to drinking, like, in middle school. But um, it was more like I liked the idea that I could make my own schedule with my day with skateboarding. Like, that was kind of my way, my, my mode of transportation to get out of that. And then high school became, I guess, your um, generic high school jock. Yeah. So it's very fluid. Hmm. Yeah. No, it's cool to be able to look back and, and sort of map it out and, right. and retrace your steps to an extent, you know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So bringing it um, a little bit closer, you know, up up to the present day, are there any parts of your identity or the different types of roles that you've played your whole life or throughout your life that you think have changed recently? Yeah, actually, 100%. Um I've been uh, like a couple of pivotal points in my life where my parents got divorced, uh, and then even much more uh, recent in time. I I, I mean I'm a hundred percent sustaining myself, and so that's caused me, uh, and I guess just being older, you know, to really think about repercussions of things. So um, instead of just doing, now I actually think about my next step. Mm-hmm. So you feel like the divorce was like one of the sort of like defining moments that sort of forced you into one, like looking, thinking about your identity and then actively trying to change it to some extent? Yeah, I guess because, uh, I mean, we, we are the product of our, our parents, right? Like our environment. Your, right, of our environment in general. But for, for me, as being the way that I was, it was like my world really revolved around my mom and my dad. They were, I mean, frankly, if you ask me, they were never supposed to be really together. Like, uh, my parents, like, they got divorced. I mean, they officially got divorced maybe in 2016. They were separated since we pretty much moved here, though. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, my parents always fought, like, all the time. So, like, it was never really constructive in terms of their relationship. So it, it's just, like, I guess, like, in my head thinking, like, 
you know, I mean, I guess every kid that uh, has gone through parents being divorced thinks to themselves like, oh, is it my fault? Like, is that my thing? Mm-hmm. So I definitely, I know my 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 brother, myself, we, and I guess my sister, now that she's older, we all take it, we took it that way. Um, yeah, we took it that way, but, you know, when they fully separated, that was like, you know, instead of trying to find answers through them, I realized that. You know, they, they can't even find answers within themselves. So I that's when I also jumped into skateboarding to find my own creative path again and mm-hmm. and express myself my way and spend more time on my own. Like being, I guess, definitely more autonomous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So we're going to we're going to transition this a little bit, um, you know, again, more to the present. And these next few questions, they can be like real short answers if you like or if you feel the need to elaborate Sure. Um, go ahead. Uh, so first one, are you a thinker or a doer? Which would you classify yourself more as? I think uh, innately I'm a doer. Okay. Um, but with more nowadays, my doing has led me to some problems. So <laughs> I've definitely made an avid uh, attempt at being a thinker. All right. Cool. And we'll, we'll, like I said, we'll keep this more like present, just like how right. you're feeling now. Right. Um, and if you want to elaborate and maybe talk about, you know, how it sort of has changed over time, um, that's, that's definitely an option as well. Would you consider yourself to be an introvert or an extrovert right now? Extrovert. Okay. No. Cool. I can see that. Uh, definitely not me, but I can, <laughs> I can see that. Um, would you consider yourself to be more of a teacher or a learner? Yeah. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I'll elaborate on this one. Yeah, go um, ahead. I definitely I teach a lot. Like I'm, I'm instructing um, gymnastics and and working at a rock climbing gym and like uh, and also in my position of work. Like I'm teaching newer people like how to move their body and uh, you know to think about kind of like the the consequences of being in certain positions. Like just background is physical therapy, so. I have a degree in kinesiology, and so I'm constantly trying to analyze, like, why people are getting hurt because of their mannerisms or their, you know, their temperament in their regular days that may, you know, cause them to end up coming in. Um, then again, on the on the other side of the coin, like, I'm I'm always trying to learn, at least. Like, uh, I mentioned to you, I'm, I'm in the boxing club, mm-hmm. and it's not to, you know, just wear a shirt that says UMD Boxing, you know? Like, I'm not going to buy the shirt either. But um, it's, it's to, you know, kind of get my butt kicked, you know, get humbled by, like, there's, you know, this is another sport that I've never, like, I've known of but never have gone through, so I just trying to get perspective on the people that have made success out of that and or they live by that sport you know and uh and then i get to learn something new right yeah so so a little bit of both yeah for sure i think um i think really like anybody who is like actually serious and and dedicated to being a teacher of any sort like realizes that it's a it's a cyclical process of you know both learning and teaching yeah 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 that was kind of the the answer I expected, not to not to degrade it at all. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's like the uh, was it the kung fu master and the the white belt, and you get to the black belt. You stay wearing the black belt and wash it, and over time it com- becomes white again. So you're you're constantly learning. Okay, I never heard that one. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. All right, next set of questions: Are you more interested in having structure 
in your life or do you prefer to have more freedom more possibilities more choices personally i uh, yeah that's interesting like I, how do you like to organize your life how's your mind work yeah i like to i, I don't know i it, it's a little bit of both because i like to have like see all my options but then i structure it so like like my schedule now it's jam-packed because you know i've had i saw my my options of course and i laid it out and now i have like a decent least you know strict curriculum i follow now but um, so I, I guess it, I don't know, initially it will be free, but for the majority, once I'm in something, it's structured. So I'd say structured. So just to sort of extend on that question, yeah. um, a little bit of a hypothetical. Sure. If you were in a different situation where, you know, you didn't have tons of stuff to do and you weren't, you know, working this full-time job right. and another part-time job and going to school right. and right. you had more time. Right, so whatever like your ideal life vision might be or something. Sure. Do you think that you would go about organizing your day and your lifestyle and your practices in in a very structured way, or would you just want just like want to have the freedom? You know, if you were in a completely different situation. You know, I've thought I've thought about this. I have. Uh, I think I, I, you know, as much as I'd like, uh, like I've been known with my friends to being sporadic. I know in my head, in the back of my head, it's it still would be structured. Mm. Yeah, like I'd still like want to be able to like wake up and be like it's four a, four a.m. to five a.m. Say like you know because it seems like every professional in the future or it, that has time, it seems like they they'll structure their day so they're waking up super early, they're working out, then they're eating, and then they're they go about their day. That's something that I I follow more. I think the mornings are so crucial, dude. I've like. I've completely subscribed to that past few years, like yeah. having a morning routine and just like crushing the first like hour of the day, like however long you can manage really, like right. the longer, the better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, just being able to like really organize your mornings right. um, when there are no distractions, I feel like that's, that's the most important time of the day for anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It beats me up nowadays because of, you know, how wild my schedule is because like my Tuesdays and, and Thursdays, I'll, I'll finish the day at like close to midnight pretty much because that's the boxing club starts from 10.30 p.m. and goes uh, – or 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. to 11.30 p.m. And I'm taking night classes before that too. So it's like even if I didn't have the boxing club, I'm, I'm running late already. You know, It's a long day. It's a long day. Yeah. yeah. So, so by the time I get up, it's like – well, it's, it's, you know, 7 o'clock, and I have work at 8 or 8.30. Uh, some days if it's 9.30, I'm like, All right, I got to recharge somehow, or I got to, you know, clean my, you know, make my bed and do all these other things too and set me up for, you know, better later. Mm. All right, so I want to know, are you more interested in acquiring knowledge or acquiring experience? Oof, I think experience. Absolutely. I think more of a the experience. Ah, you know, yeah. That's so tough. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think I think it'd be more the experience. Um, for sure cuz I mean as much as somebody could tell me that the Eiffel Tower stands as whatever high, I'd I'd rather go see it. I'd rather be there and actually ride the elevator. Yeah. You know? That's a hell of an example. Yeah. All right, so the last one before we sort of transition again. I love this one. Are you more interested in questions or answers? Man. Ah, 
Yeah. God, these are so good. It's so good. <laughs> I, you know, I think um, like as a kid, it'd be the answer. Like, I, you'd have to tell me, like, one, because it's like, I don't know, the way that our school system is set up, it's like if you don't have the answer, you're wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but nowadays, yeah, the question, because sometimes, like, I don't know. Now I'm at a point, like, if you asked me a question and I didn't know the answer to like to it, I, I'd be fine dying. And as long as I heard that like thought, like it, it makes you think, right? Mm. That's the whole point of this. Like you're getting me to think. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the questions expand the space of possibilities, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And get you to think in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, man. Jeez. <laughs> All right. So something that I've been spending a lot of time thinking about. Um, I think I would say I spent a lot of time obsessing about at this point is practice. The idea of practice, um, the the different sort of ways that people define the word practice and the way that they actually relate to the concept of practice and how they apply it to their life. So I just want to know first, like, how do you relate to the word practice? Obviously, you have like a sports and athletic background, so that can, you know, conjure up certain images, but... Uh, how do you relate to the word? And, you know, maybe if you have like a certain definition um, that you could offer, you could throw that in as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's because, yeah, it's so it's all so good. Yeah. No, the practice, I mean, is uh, for me, yeah, with the sports background is just like, how are you bettering yourself to perform later? Right. Uh, and, unfortunately now has more of a bastardized uh idea because of you know like you always it seems like everybody at practice gives all you know gives their all and then ends up burning themselves out before the actual competition or whatever it is but um so yeah. how, how can you think about practice if you kind of remove it from that context a right. little bit right, right, right um so just to sort of like you know, drop some ideas in your head a little bit. Right. Um, if, if you remove it from the context of, you know, sports or athletics mm-hmm. or really even anything related to skill, you know, because right. you could also think about practicing an instrument, right. practicing, you know, some sort of drawing technique. Um, if you can remove it from that context where it's it's no longer attached to performance, how, how might that change your concept of practice? Um, yeah, then... Uh, it just be I feel like something whatever it is done something done habitually and with intention yeah that's a, that's how I guess I would define it personally yeah, yeah. so I, yeah I I agree I definitely relate to that a lot um you know hopefully I wasn't trying too much just to force you to say an answer that I wanted to say no no, no <laughs> you're good you're good but, I, uh, I I I'm known <laughs> to just like go out of the you know out of the way and so yeah reel reel me back in too so (laughs) no it's cool man so i mean like when i think about practice it's like i mean you can you can turn anything into a practice and it's like essentially anything that you're gonna do more than once you know especially things where you're repeating them on a daily basis like i think it's really useful to reframe it not as just like something that you have to do every day but it's like it's an actual practice so right. you take something like, you know, pretty mundane, like brushing your teeth and, you know, right. like no one, no one would think to form a practice or to refer to their practice as, you know, of brushing your teeth. Right. 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 But it's something that you're going to repeat every single day, 
you know, hopefully multiple times a day right. for basically yeah, your whole hopefully. life. Yeah. Right. So it's like you're already doing it all the time. Why would you not start to do it with more intention? Right. Right. And so I think of basically anything as a practice that is one, something that you repeat more than once. Right. Right. Whether there's a performance aspect or not doesn't really matter. I don't think that's like the the defining factor. Right, right, right. Um, so it's something that you repeat more than once, and then you have an intention to get better at it or at least to learn more about it. Right. So it, it basically ends up being a cycle of one performing some type of activity, right. and it doesn't have to be something physical. It could be you know like a, a mental sort of practice. Sure. And then two, taking the time to reflect on what you've done or how you do it or why you do it. And then after you reflect on it, it's also, you know, leaving a little bit of space for inquiry, you know, so like what, what could I actually do differently? You know, how are other people doing this? Maybe what, what are the ways that I could improve this, make it more efficient, make it, you know, less effortful perhaps. Um, So I I like to think of that as my definition for practice. So it's, it's anything that you repeat and you have, you know, some sort of process, which ends up being, you know, cyclical and and repetitive, some sort of process of how you intend to get better at it. And that can mean wildly different things for different people with different activities. Yeah, absolutely. And with that definition, I mean, just to kind of give an example, Oh yeah, go ahead. Marie Kondo. Do, Do you know her whole deal? I, I know of her. Yeah. Um, you can yeah. certainly so elaborate. She, she's like this incredible, like, uh, I mean, she she pretty much, the example I'm going to give is that Marie Kondo, like I saw someone referred me to her yesterday. Like a patient was like, we were just talking about folding laundry. She mm-hmm. was like, if you don't know this, this is she keeps everything tidy. Like she helps people clean their lives pretty much just through the simple act of, you know, um, cleaning their house, right? Uh, but if you I, definitely after this go on YouTube, it's like a five minute video and she's like folding a shirt, but she's like talking to her shirt like she's folding it with intention, like smoothing it out and is like as she's doing it, telling the person like you need to like, you know, thank the thank this piece of cloth here. Like this is responsible for us to to house our setup that we have right now. So she's it's um yeah. it's almost taking a past practice and making a ritual out of it like exactly. we were talking about before. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's 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 yeah exactly. So it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome because like you think to yourself like uh, yeah I guess that that's splits the definition for sure that we've had but like yeah you, I mean if just a little bit off I, I guess it's that um you know pain I guess if you leave it more as gratitude I guess just generally like. You fold this, and it's clean, and you're like, man, I'm thankful I did that. Yeah. I think it'd be more than of a, a practice rather than a, a ritual. I don't know. Cool, man. So I wanted to keep going with, with this concept of practices and start to turn it a little bit more, more internal, sure. more, a little bit more introspective for you. And uh, I know that we've spoken in the past about you know things like meditating and, and journaling. So, and you know, maybe those two are going to be your answers to this question, but what type of practices of self-reflection do you have currently in your life? Yeah, meditating is absolutely one of them. Um, I thought, you know, whether it's like guided or or not, or not, you know, uh, but meditating, journaling, uh, I did um, for a long time, I, I would actually record myself on my laptop 
one to kind of see how I also like emotionally how I was doing the day. So I guess that'd be like, you know, vlogging in a yeah, sense. So you, like, so you recorded videos of yourself. Yeah. Um, take me through like, what was some of the context there? Like you were talking to yourself, talking yeah. about general stuff. What? Well, yeah. So I'd be talking to myself, just kind of like looking into the camera. And at first it was so silly. I don't even know where I it's got this. It's not silly, dude. Well, I got something to say after sure. this. Go ahead. Yeah, bro. yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, this was, this started back I think, as a junior in high school. Yeah. Like wow. on my old uh, computer, just I had the one day of just like speaking directly to myself. And um, I mean, ideally there's no one responding, but it was kind of, it's so funny now that we're talking about, you know, um, this whole project and even like how it evolved to, to being this. Right. Mm-hmm. But I would do that. And then I would watch it like the next day or and be like, yo, like that's how I was truly feeling. And I could see it in my expression, you know, like how I was feeling. And I would just record whether it'd be like, dude, I, I, I bombed this test today again, you know, like, bro, I'm so dumb or like, you know, and just hearing, listening to my, the way that I thought of myself and think to myself, like, I thought I was so dumb for this. Like why why does it doesn't even matter now like like i think i found that video i'll have to look it up for you but i called myself dumb and then looking at it now i'm like i, I have a degree like you know from a university and in that moment i guarantee you i didn't think i was going to college so it's it's so funny like that'd be my self-reflection so mm. yeah that's awesome man especially like to be able to do that at like right. such a young age to right. to have the awareness to try to you know, put into practice a, right. a practice of self-awareness like that, I think it's pretty incredible because I know when I was in high school, I was I was not thinking like that. Yeah. Um, so what I wanted to mention, you know, sure. pretty closely related to what you said about recording yourself, um, I don't think that I've told you about this. I've, I've spoken about it maybe in like one other one or two other podcasts that I've done. Mm-hmm. But what, so what I started doing recently, basically the same thing. I, I record a fucking selfie, right? Right, right. Just take my phone record a video of just my face and it's just me talking to myself right i do this twice a day been doing this every single day for like one to two months wow and um i'll I'll tell you a little bit about how it evolved so i had this idea like multiple years ago where i was like what if i just spoke to myself every single night before i went to bed and then every single morning when i woke up i listened to it Cause you're in a completely different state of mind when you go to sleep, when you wake up. Right. Yeah. So I had this idea and I was like, what if I just did this, you know, to like force myself, try to like keep myself accountable, you know, so I'd say certain things and, you know, I never actually ended up doing it a few years ago, sure, but it was sure. like the idea was like, you know, you kind of say like certain like affirmations maybe, or just like, you know, what you want to do, like your vision for your life in the future. And you say that, you know, right before you go to bed when, you know, presumably you're in a pretty good state of mind just getting ready to, you know, rest and recover. And they wake up in the morning or, you know, a lot of people aren't in the best state of mind in the morning. So they're, you know, in a rush to get to work, whatever. Right. And so then the idea is, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and I just like play it back to myself. And it's like, all right, I got to like remind myself, this is like, this was some real shit last night. Like right, this is yeah. how I was actually feeling. doesn't matter how I'm feeling emotionally in the moment. Like this is what I need to do. Right. So I had this idea like multiple years ago, never acted on it at all. Right. Like never once recorded anything. And then once I started having these different ideas for like the podcasts and, you know, all the other stuff where I'm trying to like reach out to people and really become a much better communicator. Sure. Um, while I was thinking about this whole thing, I was like, well, I need to like seriously put into some practices just for myself, you know, things where I'm not 
going to release it to anyone else and just like really practice on my own communicating and communicating to myself, reflecting on myself, you know, thinking about how I think, you know, like all these, all these different ways, um, to be introspective. So what I'm doing now, I'm doing these selfie videos. They're all, they were intended to be one to two minutes because I wanted to make it short enough that I knew that I would always make time for it. Right. So if I'm doing like a 10 minute video every morning and every night, it's easy to make an excuse and not do it. No, absolutely. Yeah. But if it's like, like one to two minutes, you know, it's, you have no excuse to do it. Right. Or no excuse not to do it. Right. Right. So here's the actual process because it's, you know, it's, it's an iterative thing, iterative thing. Right. So I'm doing it every single morning, every single night. And so every time before I take a new video, I have to go back and watch the previous video. So I'll just take you through like a couple days, right? Sure. So I wake up this morning and I take the video. It's two minutes. I say whatever I have to say. Tonight, I'll go back. I'll watch that video. It'll take two minutes. I take a few breaths. You know, maybe it takes like 30 seconds for me to compose myself. And then I respond to it. Right. Right. So then I have the night video. And then the next morning, I'm going to wake up, go through my morning routine. I'll watch that night video from the previous night. And then I'll record another morning one. Right. right. And it continues in this cycle. So then in the beginning, I was just like making sure that I was doing it and it was just complete bullshit, like just just nonsense, just me fucking rambling, me just recording it and saying something just to make sure I did it, right, just to start this habit. And that's all it needed to be. So then I started thinking about it more like what's actually the most useful way to spend my time, like what are the types of things that I want to be saying to myself. And so what I've started doing is at the end of each video, I will ask myself a future question. Right. So Mm. I have the morning video. It takes two minutes. I spend approximately the last 30 to 60 seconds asking myself a question. You know, it doesn't always take that long, but at the end of it, I ask myself a question. Right. So then when it comes to the night video, I spend the first minute to minute and a half responding back to my past self, answering that question. And then again, the last 30 seconds or so of it. I turn to the future and I speak to my future self and I ask Jesus myself a question. Christ, yeah. Right. And so it continues in this cycle where every single time I'm watching this video of what I said in the past and this video that I'm watching is me speaking to another past self. Right. And then it's me speaking to my future self that is right now. Right. <laughs> and then I record the video and I speak back to that past self and then I speak forward again to the next Jesus. future self. And it's been incredible, dude. Yeah, I it's, bet. That's, I, I mean, I may have to borrow that dude, one from you. That's, like, that's crazy. I can't believe that it took me this long to actually put it into practice. Because yeah. now that I've started doing it, like, it's so simple. The whole thing takes five minutes, literally. Restrict yourself to two minutes so you can actually get it going and you have no excuse not to do it. Right. Two minutes to watch the video. Compose yourself for a little bit. Two minutes to record the second video. Move on with your day. And it's actually been incredible you know, cause obviously I go back and watch every single video and I told you I've been listening to like tons of different podcasts and stuff throughout the day. Oh, of course. Yeah. And sometimes like when, at night I'll come back and I'll watch the morning video and I'll realize I said something in the morning video and then later in that day I had completely forgotten about it, but it just kind of stuck around in my subconscious yeah. and like had a profound influence on the way that I interpreted some of the podcasts that I listened to. So like I'll, I'll come back, you know, and I'll be doing the night video and I'll, you know, like I said, I'll watch the morning video before 
And then I'll just kind of like put two and two together. I was like, damn, I can't believe I said that in the morning. And then I listened to this podcast and I like linked together these different thoughts. And I was like, it's been, it's been unbelievable, man. If, um, if anybody's trying to be a little bit more introspective, you know, develop some self-reflection practices, like I don't know what else I would recommend. I mean, meditation is always a good place to start, but this is like, it's, it's so like it's so visceral like yeah to, yes, to actually like literally just be able to look back at yourself and it's like i mean this was only what like 16 hours ago or something right, right. or like eight hours ago if it's you know you do the night and then the morning ones like approximately eight hours later right so it's man hopefully it's, if you're getting to rest yeah yeah right. so it's it's been wild man it's been a lot of fun and uh extremely beneficial i'm my uh my self-awareness has like drastically increased and I feel like I was at a decent level already. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when I first met you, yeah, like I thought you were already at that level. <laughs> so to be here now, I'm like still laughing at myself. Yeah, just a quick touch on that. It's it's like again, something that you and I were constantly like finding a lot of things to relate on. Uh, as a kid, I mean, so like first the 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 night morning thing I 100% have definitely had my my way of um, communicating that to my f- future self was just through in a, a like text in in an, in an alarm, right? So as soon as I'd wake up, I'd see the message that the intentions that I had because I'd be a, a different person. Of course, like you said, at night I was in different states. So like I'd tell the person, you know, like, uh, tell myself in the morning, like you know get up do this now because you're you're gonna you're gonna fucking procrastinate you're not gonna do this shit and you're it's gonna, so much easier to yeah. ignore it when it's just text though right yeah if no you, for, if you yeah, have to just absolutely. watch and like consume this video and watch your fucking face like do right. all this <laughs> yeah. and, like, actually communicate <laughs> right. words like it's like i said it's like so much more visceral right. you know? we should and do an we should do an app where it's like um an alarm video oh app. shit dude i got some ideas for apps we're gonna talk about off the podcast Sweet. but cool cool shit, man yeah. All right, so I, I want to keep going deeper with sure. um, with the the self reflection practices. Um, one, I just I want to learn a little bit more about how you're thinking and how you're thinking about yourself. And um, I think it's really useful for other people just to hear, you know, the, the listeners just to hear how how different kinds of people are, you know, structuring different mm-hmm. practices like this. So, you know, we talked about you said you, you meditated. Yeah, right. I'd meditate. Uh, are you doing any journaling still? Or no? Journaling, yeah. So I actually went and bought a, a journal, and so a journal um, this has not been, uh, you know, consistent in terms of I try to do it at the same time, but uh, definitely has to be more of a morning routine and make the time for it. But the meditating, definitely, I found uh, every day I meditate, and I'll just set a timer. Um, are you doing any kind of breath work with the meditation? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, cause often I, I think the, I used, um, I forget the name of the app, but it was just like, focus on your breath, always bring it back. And for me, uh, I'd borrow this from Mark divine, but kind of the box breathing, mm-hmm. right. The seal fit. Yeah. Uh, you just, and I do simple, like start at five seconds. Cause that seems like, you know, five is like a decent, you know, way to inhale and exhale, you know, to start. And then I'd expand up, kind of pyramid it up and then bring it back down. Um, you definitely have to tell the listeners about your your <laughs> breath at workout that you put us through. But uh, you want to talk about it right now? Yeah, yeah. So, so oh, go ahead. I mean, if you All want right, to take so it away, we can talk about. It. So, uh, right before we started recording, I um, I I, I don't want to say I forced him, but I, <laughs> I I decided that we were 
going to begin with a little bit of breath work just to kind of like synchronize us, like put us on the same frequency, you know, and just bring some more mindfulness uh, to both of us and just bring us into the space. So uh, I know that there's, there's some specific name for it, which is completely slipping my mind, but I know that it's been described as like sipping in your breath. And so essentially what you're doing is you're taking very, very small breaths and however many breaths you take, you want it to be sort of like that percentage of your breath. So it's, it's, it's consistent every single time. So for example, what we were doing was the first round, you have to take 10 consecutive inhales to reach your full lung capacity, right? So if you start off with your, your lungs empty and you take 10 inhales, then each one you want to be approximately 10% of your lung capacity, right? right? So you inhale 10 times all the way up and, you know, until you hit 10, it's a full breath. And then on the exhale, you do something similar. And of course you can mess around with the different ratios and whatnot. Um, we simply just did a two to one ratio for the inhale to exhale. So then on the exhale, you exhale five times consecutively until you empty out your breath. So it was 10 to inhale. Each one's about 10% and then five to exhale. So each one is about 20% of your breath. And then you can increase the intensity however you want. But of course the, more breaths that you take the higher number with each inhale or exhale it takes a longer time to actually complete that inhale or exhale yeah so it can get pretty intense i I thought that we weren't doing anything too crazy and we just went up to 30 and 15 so we went up to it was you know 30 tiny little breaths so every breath was about 1 30th of your lung capacity so 30 consecutive tiny breaths like that you get to your full lung capacity and then to exhale it's 15 breaths that are about one fifteenth of your lung capacity yeah and i like to do it with a timer because you can kind of cheat and even if you get up to the higher numbers you can just start breathing a lot faster and it kind of takes away from it so if you have some consistency we were just using a metronome that was you know clicking like every single second so we were doing one breath every second so that means we were doing a 30 second inhale and then a 15 second exhale and uh, it can get pretty intense especially if you you know, don't practice any actual breath work consistently because right. you definitely start to put your body in a state where it's like deprived of oxygen. Right. And it, it really wants to get rid of the carbon dioxide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, I was struggling for sure. Yeah. He was sweating a little bit and we only did like three minutes of it. Yeah. It was so bad. <laughs> I couldn't imagine it. Like I definitely need to work on that breath work. Yeah. yeah it's, know. it's a fun one. Um, I'm going to have to look up the actual name of it. Um, so I can like post that and tell people about it, but it's, it's definitely something that's, that's interesting to try it. Um, you know, you'll, you'll definitely feel like actual physical sensations. Like it's, I don't, I don't want to say it's painful, but it's noticeably uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Absolutely. When you get to that point where you're oxygen deprived. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So turning it back to you, David. Yeah. Uh, so we, we talked about some of the self-reflection practices. Um, so meditating, some journaling here and Mm -hmm. there. Is there anything specific that you feel like you're trying to learn from these practices? Anything that comes to mind right away? I, you know, I I think uh, just kind of keeping a, a check on my emotional state. You know, I've always uh, personally, I've actually just been like a uh, very rambunctious, very um, just loud individual in both my actions and in my mental health. Like I've just always just been like really um, just not controlled. It's just kind of 
like uh, if you imagine like a, a pot, you know, and, and you you turn on the stove and my flames, my flame, it should be a flame, right? But it's, uh-huh. it's a series of flames. It's just a little bit of shooting everywhere. And that's because that's my emotional state. Like I'm, I'm like thinking about this, thinking about my family, thinking about my work, thinking about, you know, did I work out today? Am I treating my girlfriend right? Am I, how's Greg doing? <laughs> oh, wait, what about this friend? So it's everywhere. And so for me, it's like trying to center all that attention in a sense to, to you know, kind of get that, that static, that white noise in my head, you know, to, to make an actual decent sound. So it's sense. like a, like a grounding practice and trying yeah. to kind of bring some, some more alignment into your life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That, I think that's exactly, I, I got that, that description from this guy uh, on uh, a podcast I, I listened to, uh, now it's the Shrug Collective. But at the time, it was Barbell Shrugged. Okay, uh, yeah. The gentleman, his name is Chris Moore. Fortunately, he passed away. Uh, but his, that was his his biggest thing was he was like, stoke, stoke your fire. You know, stoke your fire. Make sure your fire's, you know, you're you're boiling that pot correctly. You know, like you're, you're doing it efficiently like we talked about mm-hmm. before. So that was a big influence for me too. Yeah. Cool, man. So, yeah. so we've talked about, you know, what you're trying to learn. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to learn from yourself then the only way to do that is to teach yourself right so we've talked about what it is that you want to learn what you want to take away from these practices so how how have you gone about it or how do you think you should go about actually teaching these things to yourself yeah is is there more than just simply doing the practices consistently yeah it's a i think um you know, depending on your physical state, that also can uh, exacerbate your mental state. And so what I mean by that is uh, I think that's also why I put myself in, in some situations that really kick up, like, how I'm feeling uh, physically. Uh, for example, like boxing, you, you know, everyone, like Mike Tyson once said, everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face. Mm-hmm. And, I'll, you know, I'll take a hit and then, like, suddenly now everything's shifting, you know. And, um, so like, I kind of like along with those practices, um, of journaling and meditating in a, in a state where I'm just physically calm. I also try to take into consideration by like thinking about, oh, this is how I felt when I I got punched in the face. Or I can, I can tell you like, I, I, um, like I took, um, I went for a brandy back tuck on the DMT and completely just i just started twisting for no reason in my back tuck like i just learned back uh fulls that week or something and i was so high the coach just couldn't save me and i like completely suitcased into the hard mat and i yeah it was was rough and so i thought to myself in that moment like how how, you know my my heart rate was spiked because in that second you know when you're falling for whatever reason takes forever to hit the ground right and you're thinking about everything like you know, so it's um, I, I try and reflect upon those, and then also journal those. So I think uh, it, bringing it back to kind of journaling and meditating, it's not only how I am in that moment, but also thinking about the moments where shit hit the fan, right? So thinking, I'm just kind of reflecting on a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think uh, that being said, I what I'm also trying to say is having uh, kind of give the people the perspective of like, you know, get get your get your ass kicked. You know, and then like think about that. Think about it. everyone wants to talk shit. You know, be humbled. Yeah, yeah, and then be humble about that, and and realize like whatever I'm getting into, whether it's like skill based or even just like um, 
something you do on a daily basis, there's a different perspectives on it, you know, and just consider it. So this next question, um, the answer could be that, that this time in your life is right now, which I'm going to ask about. Sure. Are, are there any times in your life when you felt like you were particularly immersed in a process of self-reflection or self-learning? And like I said, it, it could be right now. Right. Or if, you know, there's there's some other time where it's like you were in some serious meditation like every yeah. day or you like had a, a really good consistent journaling habit. Yeah, no, it's definitely not right now. Okay. Right, right uh, now, yeah, no, definitely not. And, I, you know, I think uh, it was actually just after I graduated high school because, like, it was like, um, I don't know, like I had mentioned before, like, it, it had been mentioned that school wasn't for me. And so when I finally graduated, like, uh, even though I was going into college, like, it's like my brain reset. Like, it just, you know, I, I, I could focus for once. And so at that point in time, I think I, I even bought, like, I paid into the Lumosity app and I did brain games every day. I, you know, was trying to teach myself like juggling and like instruments and just like taking that time to like of that freedom, you know, to kind of do whatever. But then that's also in itself made a problem because I didn't have any structure to mm-hmm. developing myself. But um, definitely that was a time where like I would journal, like I was so mindful about, like I was uh, definitely uh, the most meathead I'd ever been in my life. Like I was you know, weighing out my protein and, uh, you know, I was working out easily like three hours at a time. There was no stretching involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just squatting as, as heavy as I could, deadlifting as heavy as I could, benching as heavy as I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I was mindful about it. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be mindful, man. Right. So again, uh, just one or two more questions about the, the whole self-reflection and these practices. Um, so you said that like right now is definitely not a time yeah, you're like uh, immersed in the practices. So right. that's actually a really good lead into this one. So how do you think that you can create space in your life to, you know, advance these practices of, of self-reflection and learning? You know, uh, I think getting back to the basics, like making a smart goal, like the exactly like, I mean, drawing, I'm drawing inspiration from what you're talking about, like one to two minutes. You can't. You can't say you don't have time for that. You just gotta start small, man. You start small, exactly. The smallest change possible, right? And that's what I think. I I definitely need to reintroduce into my my lifestyle because I used to tell myself, dude, it's five minutes. You know, I think uh, everybody that that's trying to get you to buy into their programs, whether it's strength and conditioning or like my mindfulness, they'll tell you they'll probably start there. It's like five minutes. Start there and then pick it up. You know and. uh I have been doing actually one of my practices. I should say is a Duolingo. I've been doing that every day for three hundred and nine days today. Oh, yeah. So I've been just working on perfecting different languages like Spanish, French, uh, Italian, uh, and just you know a little bit of Portuguese, and then I'm learning hiragana. Mm. I'm going to Japan next year, so I figured not to not trying to be a complete uncultured swine, mm. you know. But, um, yeah, just setting the time for it like like I do with that Duolingo. And I think making it consistent, like, in, in terms of, like, the setting, you know, like, make mm-hmm. that environment, like, that time to do it. Um, if you go on my Instagram, you can see a, a great video of me failing at a handstand, mm-hmm. which is so funny because you and I, we used to, like, train handstands all the time. And, I mean, you're still a super monster, like, just human being, but... My handstands fell off, and it's so funny because I've come to realize, like in terms of practice, I'm probably I'm bringing it back. Um, 
I've been trying to get a minute handstand at work, and it's pathetic. It's so bad. I think the the longest I ever held it at at work so far has been forty five seconds. Is it because you lose your balance or the endurance, muscular yeah, endurance? It, it's been more balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, but then I go to Gymkhana and I warm up. You know, I'm in their gym. I'm hanging out with friends. I get on the parallettes and I can hold it for over a minute. Yeah, it's, dude. It's, the, the spatial environment and the the way that your brain just like makes associations. Yeah. With you know, it's 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 highly, um, I don't want to say regulated, but right. Uh, it's it's highly involved with you know whatever sort of spatial environment you're in. Yeah. Um, and it, right. and it's more than just that. I mean, it's like it can be the sort of like social environment you're in as well. Right. You know, the the people around you, and then just generally like whatever sort of mindset you're in. And of course, the the environment that you're in can you know obviously have an influence on your your mental state as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly what's what's going on. Like I just it, it it never I don't know, like I could always hold I think like a minute handstand um you know for a while like on, on, when I was on the team. But definitely I'm starting to realize more since I've fallen out of practice in doing my handstands and being mindful of my positioning and my handstands that now it's you know, I I'm not going to say it's a dependency, but it's definitely like I have to also consider where I'm at to perform mm-hmm. and in that way, you know. If I could just, like, offer one little piece of advice. Yeah, go ahead. And, you know, just for handstand specifically, but you can sort of extrapolate sure. it to other practices. Um, especially, like, anytime you hit a little plateau like that, like, go back to some of the basics. Right. And it, it's always tough for stuff like this, especially anything related to, like, a, a skill, like a physical skill. But if you go back to the basics and just start spending a lot of time just doing wall handstands, oh yeah, where you don't have to balance, but you just you put yourself in that in that spatial environment to some extent, you know, just being right. upside down, having all your weight on your hands, sure. and then just you know build up that muscular endurance so that that is just like a non-factor, right? Like do like two to three minute wall handstand holds, right? And then um, just uh, I don't like the term muscle memory, but right, um, just. It, it, it'll help translate much Smooth. much better than people think you know even though you're taking the balancing out of it and you you make right. it seem like the balancing is the issue but right. um, developing greater muscular endurance you know as that as that base for you to build from is is never going to hurt yeah you know? yeah and no, that's just no spending, doubt. spending more time upside down in that orientation you know is that that's going to help yeah for sure yeah. yeah just making making the two to three minutes <laughs> yeah for sure yeah man so uh, so let's let's start to transition just a little bit. So I want to know how your self-reflective practices, and I promise this will be the last one about the self-reflection. Yeah, no worries, no worries. <laughs> how have your self-reflective practices informed what you do with your work? You know, if it has at all. And maybe you should start off just by telling people again. You know what you do for work. Yeah. We, we can shout out Acro PT. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, shout out to you know Dr. Angela Prescott hiring me keeping me <laughs> hired over at acro physical therapy and fitness led by her amazing husband uh ben prescott uh quick shout out to them they just had a you know baby so that's super exciting for yeah. for the prescott family so you know uh that's it's, it's awesome come visit us you know uh you can check us out online acro physical therapy fitness just google that and that's in college park maryland that's in college park maryland right off rhode island i think uh we're on niagara road suite 303 
Not on the it's a it's a janky looking building, but the office is it's like Narnia. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you guys you guys see people who are not all acrobats, I right. assume. Yeah, yeah. So our main uh demographic is definitely like acrobats, uh, but we get general population too. Or just people that just like, you know, they're uh, recreational, like weekend warriors in terms of like how they exercise, mm. which is totally cool. You know, I think if you're moving that you're better than not. But, um, yeah, what I do, uh, there is I am the, uh, one of uh, the physical therapy technicians. So I'll help you through your exercises. I grab your ice, I grab your heat, uh, bring you back to your room, you know, and just kind of do as the, the physical therapist, uh, prescribes, um, and um, I also do personal training there. So if you want to book a session, let me know. <laughs> you know, um, and make programs, workouts, or programs depending on what your interests are. Uh, but yeah, self reflection. Uh, yeah, no, I am. I've definitely been like so. Uh, you know, it definitely helps me just realign to remember that. I mean, like I'm speaking to people all the time. Mm. You know, I'm talking to people and. Uh, in terms of their business, if I'm being an asshole that day, you know, like that's not going to reflect well upon the business. So it kind of realigns me like, you know, I didn't like this, that this happened maybe at work or this happened today. Mm-hmm. How can I leave that where it was and then carry on about my day so that at least in terms of thinking ahead of the business, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't affect that. If, only, if anything, how can I make it better, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's where my self-reflection nowadays definitely leaves me is is thinking more of like like kind of just let go of things and then you know think about it like you can be in the back of your head that's totally cool recognize it and then move on from it so that's definitely my self-reflection practices that's where it leaves me Mm -hmm. yeah i like it so we already talked about you know you're having a a sports and athletic background i'm sure that that you know influenced the the decision to uh, become a physical therapist or you know that, at least that's what you're striving for you're not sure you know officially there yet still right. working through school um are there any reasons you know specifically why you became interested in that like why you wanted to do physical therapy and or if there's a specific type of physical therapy you know like specific demographic that you right. want to work with in the future yeah yeah it's a that's a great question i mean i'll be honest with you i i still even to this day i, st- I struggle thinking about this because of course this is like um what I do for the rest of my life, right? Uh, but what drew me to physical therapy, I mean, like the idea of like doctor sounded really cool. It sounds like you're smart, right? So mm-hmm. honestly, that's why I, I was more into sciences and uh, math was okay, but more sciences in the human body. I knew I wanted to work with the human body and I wanted to be, I mean, ideally when I say this, like you're everyone generally is in a place of service, but that's definitely what's something... Uh, I wanted to be very personable with my service and physical therapists spend, I mean, one of the, the, the ways that you can speak um, with someone is through touch, right? Like, and it's, it's very intimate. Not that I'm like a weirdo and I want to just be intimate with people like that's super weird. But, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's such an intimate thing because you're helping someone get better by manipulating their body. Like no one can take that from you. And you're trusting someone like something I would strive to be to uh, to fix that right and to carry on. And I've always I've always been the recess kid. You know, I loved recess. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my thing was like, how can I help 
other people have fun because I mean I like to have fun. Like I love to move. That's that's always been my thing. So how can I keep people moving? Um, you know, until until they die. Mm-hmm. I guess right. Uh, so population wise, I think uh, you know, I think it's like maybe the the percentage has gone up, but like fourteen to seventeen percent of the population of America right now is is they're exercising. So, I mean, letting that sink in, we're anomalies, mm. you know, like we're wow. the minorities. I've never heard that stuff. That's great. Yeah, it's, it's pretty low. Um, so it makes me worry about the other people that aren't moving and it gives me kind of hope of uh, c- having them consider, you know, like exercising, you know, and incorporating that. Um, but then I've also, I've been in a clinic where like I've worked with populations that are there, you know, the, that percentage, the the majority, and it's depressing. It's so depressing. Mm. It's and it's it makes like I try to make the better out of it, but then in working with it for so long, I, it I, it f- had me even think twice about the profession, and uh, so like it's it's definitely like. I, but then I don't know. I don't want to be selfish, of course, and say it because somebody at the end of the day has to help them too, right? So. That's why I'm trying to figure out all my avenues in terms of being able to outreach and get people more involved in, in taking care of their body. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a lot that goes into it. It's like, I mean, at this point, like you brought up that statistic, only what you say 14 to 17% are exercising. Like it's, uh, is is that just for America or for the the world? That's for America. America. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least here, like, I think it's, yeah. It's like ingrained in the culture, right? And we just like, uh, we're gonna need some like super deep changes, you know, just yeah. on, on multiple levels, right? Um, and I mean, it starts, it starts personally, right. you know, like obviously you have to have some sort of motivation, some sort of discipline, right? You know, to at least prioritize your health. Like, I mean, nobody needs to be a superstar athlete necessarily, exactly. but yeah, you know, just to take a little bit of effort to just you know become more aware. But honestly, I don't even know if that's the biggest problem. I mean, that would be the first place for like an individual person to start. But I think right. generally, like people have, you know, with with the internet, especially, you know, there's information everywhere, and like people not only have access to plenty of, you know, plenty of good enough information about right. what they should be doing, but like people just already know, like generally, like what's good and bad for them, and like people are just consciously making shit choices yeah, all the time. Absolutely, like, yeah. It's wild to think about, man. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe both of us are, are sort of fortunate to have just kind of grown up in in families or, you know, the the groups of people and the lifestyle around us where like we have we've always been active, we've always, you know, eaten pretty healthy and, you know, we've we've prioritized that aspect of our lives. Mm-hmm. But it's it's wild to think about how many people just really let their, their health get away from them. Right. Yeah. So Man, it's it's tough to think about, but hopefully, hopefully we're providing some value to people, and we can help change some of that. Absolutely. So, yeah. I wanted to touch on some other things before we get into uh, some like serious fitness and movement talk. So, yeah. uh, I I was real excited about that because that's what uh, the majority of our our personal conversations are about. You know, since we have both spent time in you know health and fitness industry. Uh, but before that, so I just I just want to touch on what else do you do outside of work? You know, like any any hobbies or creative outlets or particular areas of interest that that we haven't touched on. 
Yeah. You know, uh, and it might not be anything. We've we've been talking yeah, for over an hour, I believe. Yeah, for so, sure. Uh, maybe we've already <clears throat> exhausted everything. But if, if there's anything you want to mention. Yeah, I mean, uh, nowadays it's actually just spending, I guess, the, I don't know, spot, spending, like, emphasizing true quality time with people I really care about. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, and that uh, that can take the shape of many things. Yeah, yeah, you know, for sure. So I think that'd be honestly the only thing outside, because I mean, you know, that we rock climb. Yeah, yeah. You know, do all these other things too. So. Yeah, we're gonna touch on that in just a little bit. Yeah. Um. So we've we've mentioned Jim Connor, right? And I'm gonna assume that like a, a solid 99 plus percent of people listening to this just have no idea what that is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I just I want to talk a little bit about Jim Connor. Um. Do you do you want to offer like a little sort of intro description on it? I or, got or you. Want you. Me to tell I, you? I got you. So Jim Connor yeah. is a drug-free, alcohol-free, tobacco-free troop that uh, promotes fitness, like healthy lifestyles, through gymnastics and acrobatics experiences, through performing at different uh, elementary, middle, middle school, and high school. And even colleges with, you know, just performances preaching their their method uh, of, of just being drug-free, alcohol-free, and tobacco-free. So, yeah, and it's uh, it's part of the University of Maryland, right? I don't yes. know if we mentioned that. So yeah. it's, the, it's the University of Maryland Jim Connor Troop. And if you're interested in looking it up, um, they got some pretty cool stuff online. They have, they have summer camps still going they as well. They do. Yeah, they have summer camps. Um, I don't even know how the ages range oh, that's cool. yeah um just so just real quick if if anyone's interested in looking it up it's spelled gymkana g-y-m-k-a-n-a troop t-r-o-u-p-e so the university of maryland gymkana troop um so that's you know that's essentially how david and i met so i was part of the team for three years uh so i think that was like 2013 14 and 15 and then we were actually never on the team at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You you so, had just graduated. Yeah, your yeah. first year was the year after I graduated. Right. Um, but we, you know, we we got in contact through through mutual friends, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a a big show at the end of every year. They call it their their home show. And a lot of alumni will will come back to the show. So mm-hmm. uh, the past or the, the first few years after I graduated, I went back to see that show every year. Mm-hmm. And um, we'd actually communicated a little bit, communicated a little bit um, previously, you know, through like email or Facebook or something. But the first time that right. we met, I think was actually at home show, probably yeah. your your first year. Yeah, it was my first year. Yeah, mm-hmm. everyone... Uh, I was mad as fuck that like <laughs> you were like, you could like... You had really good handstands. You were in the chairs act already your first year. Yeah, you yeah. could do fucking full splits. Yeah, yeah And you yeah. could do flags and shit. I was just like, this fucking kid. Yeah, like, yeah. so let, let's, let's put some some more uh, uh, content on that. So I was just talking to Greg about this. So we've known each other for like four years, but technically I've known him for like, I've known of him for like six Oh, yeah, you never years. actually finished the story. Yeah, because I yeah, thought yeah. I'd bring it up here because yeah, yeah. I wanted to see your expression and you know, capture it. it, right? So this is what happened. So I was a personal trainer out at a gym called Power Train in uh, Columbia, Maryland. And I was training... Uh, you know, a boot camp, and I would always just do handstands, like just like on my free time, right? And one of my bosses, the the site director's uh, wife, uh, was like, "Yo, I was a part of this thing called Gymkhana, and I think you'd really like it." Since uh, at that time, I just graduated from Howard Community College, and uh, Maryland had just accepted me, so she was like, "Yeah, you would you would totally love this thing." 
And I was like, okay, you know, sure, whatever. Sounds cool. So uh, one night I would, I went on, I typed it in, uh, and I should make it clear. Make sure you put Gymkhana Troop when you search it up because if you don't, monster trucks will come up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I typed in Gymkhana Troop and I found, I found the page on Facebook. And of course, one of the photos and videos I see is this motherfucker, Greg Shannon, is holding a a flag, a human flag. So he's just suspending his body like, completely parallel to the ground. Sideways. On, yeah, sideways on, on stall bars. But even more is he has like the, one of our the troop members sitting on his side. Ruth. Yeah, Ruth, Ruth Wang. Is, yeah, Ruth Wang is sitting on your side. <laughs> And I thought to myself when I saw that, I was like, fuck no, I'm not joining this. This is way beyond my capabilities. Does anybody see this guy? And it wasn't just you. It was like a video of Sam Massa doing the same thing. Oh, that was, yeah, that yeah. was, I did that. That was like a day later, like a week later. <laughs> yeah. I came so. back because after, after the thing with Ruth was successful, I was yeah. like, I mean, that's cool. She's like, like a 90 pound little chick though. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, I, like, let's, let's step it up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, initially, I was trying to have Maya do it, right. even though Maya's not any heavier than, than Ruth, right, obviously. Right, but, right. Uh, uh, I was like, well, what if someone did a handstand on top of me? Oh, my so I was God. Like, I was like, who, who like, actually has the nuts to try this? You know, and, like, Sam, Sam can do a of fucking course. handstand on, on anything. anything. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, like, pulled him. Like, we didn't really even talk about it. He's like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, absolutely. And we hit, it, we hit it first try, too. Of course you did. First take, no editing, nothing. Like, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that, and I was so intimidated. Like, I saw that, and I was like, first <laughs> off, I, I, I thought, honestly, yeah. when I first showed up uh, to um, – the the Wednesday night practice af- after first look fair. When I first showed up, I expected wholly to see you there, <laughs> and I was so disappointed oh, shit, that you weren't there. Sure. I was like, "Yo, where's this guy with the flags?" I never like talked to anybody about it because I didn't know anyone. Yeah, like yeah. even like uh, Coach Sammy like was kind of like, you know, standoffish with me. You know, like I, you know, everything was like just this. They didn't think I was gonna stick around, but um, yeah, I was just like. Where's that dude? Like that dude was so freaking strong. And then as I got into like rings and and chairs and parallel bars, your name kept coming up. And it was just like amongst like uh, Alex Muick, uh, Sam Massa. Those were the bigger names. I like, I mean, I hung out mainly with them to to develop my strength gymnastics wise. Mm -hmm. And they said, yeah, Greg Shannon would do this. Greg Shannon (laughs) would do that and that. And so like there was a point in me that I thought to myself like, you know, like I, I never have no gymnastics background and that's their biggest thing too, is they'll take anybody without experience. So like, I thought this was perfect for me, but I thought to myself, how can I accelerate my growth, my progress here? Um, you know, as smart as possible. And I was like, this guy has been through it. Like he's done it and he's been successful. So I found you on Facebook and I was just like, yo, I need, uh, you know, I'm just trying to be better. And, and like, not even like maybe the next day you just like gave me this whole like spreadsheet and like, like written out stuff. Yeah. Yeah, You went in and I was like, so like thankful. I was like, Oh my God, this guy's fucking awesome. Like he actually took the time to like talk about shit that like, this is actually strength and conditioning wise. It makes sense. Like, and I appreciated it so much. And then as time went on, I kept bothering him. It was just like, <laughs> yo, I'm going to come through. And I would always, like, I'd visit you in, in Frederick. At the time, my, my girlfriend at the time lived in, in Carroll County. So it was like 20 minutes away from you. So it made it even, like, for me, it was like, oh, I'm going to go visit Greg Shannon. <laughs> like, it was really cool. Uh, still, is really um, cool, you know. So, yeah. 
that's that's the whole background behind that's awesome me meeting man. you and then our training yeah, we had never talked about that before yeah yeah oh that's great man so i wanted to talk uh i, I still want to get into a little bit more about about gymkhana so sure. Um, so, so again, it was this, this gymnastics performance team, mm-hmm. right? And so on average, we'd have, what, like 60 to 70 kids on a team? Yeah, my year, we range. got 90. 90. Yeah. Fuck, that's a yeah. lot. Yeah, so there's a lot of kids on a team. Majority of us had no gymnastics experience. Right. So I myself, I was never a gymnast, never did you know gymnastics in any capacity as a child. Um, you said you had no gymnastics None. experience. Yeah. Um, so I would say on average... We'd probably end up with like five to ten girls who actually had gymnastics experience previously, mm-hmm. and then usually only like one or two guys, right. you know, who actually had gymnastics experience. So everybody else, like eighty to ninety percent of the team, just brand new, you know, no no experience with gymnastics. Of course, you know, some other athletic experience often, um, but we just come in. They just kind of coach us up from scratch. Yeah, yeah, and and, and they have different. Man, like so much uh, apparatus to choose from. I mean, we had like a, so yeah. So let's get into some of that. Some of the right. some of the different acts that that yeah. actually were used in gymkhana. Right. So we had traditional like gymnastics apparatus. So we, high bar, p bars, uh, trampoline, rings, uh, rings balance beam, balance beam mm-hmm. unevens. Uh, I guess that's like that's all yeah, the that's basic basically ones. all. Of them. We didn't have like the same vault as they have right. in actual gymnastics, but we had a different vaulting one. Right, where we used like just like a a box and, and a mini tramp and a mini tramp, two mini tramps to hit it from like short ways, so that you know it's it's like a rectangle, right? It's a, mm-hmm. not like necessarily a square box, but we would hit it from the short side and then go from the other side long ways too, and mm-hmm. we'd like flip over. Sometimes people laying down on top of them, yeah, flip over each other and like a crisscrossing right. thing. Right, jump through rings of fire. Yeah, that was, did you ever go over thing. the ring? Of no, fire? no, yeah, no. I went through it. I yeah. didn't go over it. Yeah, my first time. Um, yeah, so, so my <laughs> hold on, hold on. Yeah, yeah. recently, ahead, last time we saw each other, you were talking about being afraid of heights or something. Yeah, yeah. Right, dropping off like the rock climbing walls, and I was like, motherfucker, you were jumping over fire hoop. Yeah, talking yeah. about being afraid of heights. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I don't know. It's because like the padding of the 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 bouldering cave is is so soft. It 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 scares me that like I'm gonna like fall some type of way or whatever. And uh, yeah, so fire hoop. It was just like, um, yeah, that was. I still honestly, it feels like a dream. I don't even remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it took a while to even get footage of it because something happened with like the broadband and the transferring over from whoever our whose historian was to to our email. So I I didn't even get to see photos of it till like a year and a half later. Mm-hmm. I had completely forgotten at that <laughs> point. But yeah, uh, but yeah. So we like rings on fire. We did partner balancing, which is something that I really got into. Um, Handstands on chairs. Yeah. You were known for hand balancing. Yeah, yeah. hand balancing on chairs. Uh, yeah, so, them on so each in Gymkhana, we had, like we said earlier, we had like the traditional gymnastics apparatus, and then we had a bunch of different like trampoline acts. Right. Um, like the vaulting one that we mentioned earlier, a few other ones. And then we also had a lot of things that were basically like circus acts, for right. lack of a better term. So the, the partner balancing that he's speaking of. Um, you you see those types of acts in you know in circus shows, and then the the chairs routine that we're referring to the chairs act um, was essentially we just you know we had all these just basic wooden chairs with a bunch of right angles so they stacked up nicely, 
and we could create different formations out of the chairs and then we would climb on top of them and do handstands yeah yeah. And I thought it was like the dopest shit. I was I was in chairs for two years. Nice. Yeah. And then I was like, I was a little bit envious when I saw this motherfucker in <laughs> yeah. his first year in in the chairs routine. Well, so <laughs> when, the uh, some context there, I ended up hurting my ankle like playing intramural soccer my first year. So I was like, well, I got to work on hands. Like all you were now. doing was handstands. Yeah, exactly. Right, so right. I ended up getting it, but it did. It took it took a while to get actually fully into it. So I I wouldn't say it was like by the end of my first year I wasn't in it. By that, but. By home show, I already did three stack. So, like, I, but I just wasn't in the act. So, um, Maybe by I'm thinking about the second year, then the second year, right, yeah. Right. By the second year, I was definitely like doing five stack. Uh, I, I wanted to, you know, we could have taken it, you know. Actually, we had a pretty good, we had a pretty good chairs act for sure. Everybody thinks they had a good chairs yeah, act, exactly. Man. Every year, yeah. <laughs> our, our chairs act was pretty great, yeah. No, yeah, no, but it was, uh, yeah, it was such a, yeah. I, thinking about it, it was like, you know, that's definitely like, I, I think about lead Blaine or like rock climbing in Blaine. So like, I definitely have like a good sense of trust for people and like how things could go wrong because of chairs. Like, yeah, I man. think about it, like, would I trust them on my chairs? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I trust them more. I wouldn't. And mm-hmm. then I'd be like, but this is this. So it's fine. <laughs> that's on my gauge. Cool, man. So we talked, um, you know, we gave you guys kind of a, a decent rundown of like what Jim Connor was about. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I wanted to ask you about is like, how do you feel like that has influenced you? And you could, you know, you could yeah. take it mentally, physically. You could talk about, you know, some of the the friends you made or something. I know you've, yeah. you've gotten much closer with Sammy and yeah. Angie, Angie and Ben Prescott, who we mentioned earlier um, with Acro PT. Both of them are coaches with Jim Connor. So obviously, yeah. you know, that that social tie has helped you out. Um, but wherever you want to take that, how you feel like Jim Connor has influenced you? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, physically has opened up my my mind to considering, uh, you know, how training, training like straight arm strength. I had no mm. anything Dude, about that mobility. My fucking world. Yeah, absolutely. Like you know, just uh, thinking about angles more than I ever did when I was just doing curls. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, and then like the friendships, I mean, I've been able to go visit friends, uh, like I uh, visited my friend in Chicago. Um, just, you know, it's, it's just really, you, they we all really have a strong bond after that, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I met Greg, you know, if it wasn't for Jim Connor, there was a chance I wasn't going to join. And if I didn't, we wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> so it's, it's really cool. Uh, Angie and Ben have both employed me. Uh, Sammy has been looking out a lot. Alex Matic. Uh, he's like uh, one of the longest running um, gym gym kind of troopers in history. Is and he still on the team? No, he, well he's coaching. He's coaching, <laughs> he? now, right. so it's it's him. really cool. But he's my roommate, <laughs> so like, and I've been living with him for uh, like two and a half years now. It's really cool. I mean, and it's all because like I decided to join this troop. Which funny story, I was gonna quit. I, I told myself like when I got in there, I was like, I'm just gonna learn how to backflip, and then I'm out. Hmm. Ben taught me in in a, in a practice session. It was like within like the second week or something like that, and I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. So <laughs> stick around. So it's really cool. But um, yeah, just mainly strength and conditioning wise has been the biggest influence, and just considering how how much more there is to consider, you know. Yeah. So I mean, when you just when you think you know it all, you you really don't. There's so much more out there. Yeah, if, yeah, if I can add on to that and, right. and the way that it changed changed my mindset. Um, so just just to keep this uh, strictly in like the physical realm, like mm-hmm. like what we've been talking about, and where the really the rest of this conversation is going to go. 
Um, so, so when I was in high school, you know, I was doing sort of like the regular strength training and conditioning. I played football for a few years in high school, you know, so I was just doing your regular sort of weightlifting, you know, a lot of barbell dumbbell stuff. And we, we spoke about this right before we started recording how, you know, the, the sort of, uh, conventional mindset, especially in America, I think the conventional mindset of strength is like the first thing you think of is like how much do you bench how much you bench you know occasionally you'll you'll have some people who are uh maybe very slightly more open-minded like how much do you squat or how much do you deadlift right right. but it like it always comes to that it's like like what's the maximum output essentially you know how much you bench how much do you squat or you deadlift right and so that's like like so many people still like have just have that mindset like that's what strength is being able to move heavy weights and then I came to Gymkhana and first I'm just going to say like my first year on the team, like I didn't fucking talk to anybody. Yeah. Like I, I didn't really even, I did like as little as possible to actually like engage with like the community that was Gymkhana. Right. And like my whole first semester, I wasn't even aware that we were a performance team. <laughs> like I, I, I literally didn't even know that we did shows. Right. And then like November came or something and it was like, like what the hell is mock show like, right. what, what are we doing this show for <laughs> right. so like i would just show up to practices and i would just like work out i was like this is just a fucking giant playground for me right yeah. i just like do my own thing and work out uh but anyway back to how it like actually changed my mind and my, my whole attitude towards fitness and strength especially is like you know i was coming from this you know sort of like meathead type mindset right which is hilarious to like see what i'm doing now but i, I had that mindset where my my whole view of strength was just like how much can you bench? Like I was right. all about my fucking bench right. press, just like a regular high school kid. And then I come in, like I see people doing like muscle ups and like right. back levers and front levers and all these different skills right. on the parallel bars and all this stuff. And I can't fucking do any of it. Right. Right. And it's not like I was some dude who was just like putting up real heavy weights on the barbell, but like right. my entire life, like I had prided myself on being like really well-rounded and, um, having having really good body weight strength, mm-hmm. right? So like strength to weight ratios, and and I could do a lot of you know pull ups and push ups and dips, all the you know really basic body weight exercises that everybody knows about. But then I just got exposed to this entire new world that was just it, it was a, right. a realm of possibilities that was just entirely hidden to me, right? Right, like it existed and I just had no awareness of it whatsoever, right? Right. And it just, it just like shattered my perspective, dude, just like absolutely smashed my entire paradigm of like how I thought about fitness and strength. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then, and then from there, I mean, as I, I continue to progress with it, you know, personally with me, you know, developing the strength and the different kinds of skills, like learning handstands was huge for me. Right. And as I started to progress with it and I just saw, like, I continued to see further and further down the line, like, what are the possibilities, like it just completely changed my view of fitness because now I was like, well, now like strength is not about adding more weight to the bar and doing the exact same movement at a slightly higher intensity. Right. It's, you know, it's about essentially moving the minimum amount of weight, but it's about putting your body in the most disadvantaged position possible. Right. Right. So, I mean, obviously that's the whole thing with body weight strength is you're working with your body weight. So how do you develop strength? once you've already mastered a certain skill, you find a way to make it harder. Right, exactly. And then it like, you know, I studied engineering in college, so I've always had, you know, a very scientific, mathematical, 
um, type mindset and the way that I view things. So then that, that played into it even more mm-hmm. because then like it, what it really comes down to is like, how do you actually make things harder when it's just your body weight? Right. And it's a, it's just a physics problem. You know, it's, right, it's just, yeah. it's just physics and biomechanics with, with the levers and the angles and the right. torques and everything. Uh, and so I just, I just fell in love with it like so quickly and I just like saw so much potential in it. And, uh, that's, I mean, that's kind of how the, like the whole thing developed with the flags with me, like getting really into that, that, that definitely ties in. And I don't want to get too much into that because we, we got other stuff to talk about. I don't, I don't want to turn the conversation too much towards me, but, but it, I'm going to look at the camera right now and just let you know this. If you're not following him on Instagram, Greg Shannon, right? The Greg Shannon, Greg Shannon flags. Uh, what is it? Well, man, I'm, I'm, just I'm changing quick, my social media but, shit, but it's, it, uh, it's so good. Greg so underscore good. Shannon 37 right now. Right. Yeah. If you, if you know, if you got an Instagram, take some time, look this man up. It is, it'll blow your mind. If you don't gain a new perspective on how to work out, you will after that for sure. Like it's yeah. it's so good. I'm still in the beginning, like slash intermediate phase. Yeah, I I got a lot of work to do, man. I got I got big plans, big visions for what I'm trying to do with that in the future. There you go. Always hungry. Yeah, so. man. Beginner's mindset. Right. All right. So uh, one last thing. So we mentioned we mentioned rock climbing, right? Mm-hmm. We've been rock climbing together. You work at Earth Tracks. I do Earth Tracks um, Rockville. So one other thing, recently you've gotten into triathlons. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about that, man. Yeah, that's another, it's another humbling thing because it's funny enough, I grew up with uh, sports-induced asthma. Like I just, like I played soccer for like nine years, mm-hmm. um, but it was like, I guess, I don't know, I could hide it enough because of the short sprint burst that it was like, okay, mm-hmm. I guess. And you're getting subbed out, whatever. But I, my parents like knew it was such a bad thing uh, that I was dealing with that they would they would have me sign up for like my elementary school's running program and i would always be last like it was embarrassing like it was so bad and there was a there's a time where it was just like i honestly didn't picture myself running and then one day like i was just like you know fuck that i'm going to get better at it cuz i sucked so bad like it was just something that like my dad would take me to his pt test i told you he took me every weekend doesn't mean i did great like it was awful <laughs> yeah the running portion was definitely the worst um my dad would outrun me easily. Even if I was like on a skateboard or a scooter, he would outrun me easily uh, until I got to about like 14 and 15. Then I started running more, uh, played lacrosse uh, in, in high school, played that for three years, and then played a year in college. So that was a lot of fun. And on top of that, got into like wrestling and um, just touched upon different sports, like learning how to actually swim to like not die. Uh, but I never competed. I was a lifeguard for like five six years so that was fun um but triathlons yeah this whole idea like for me it was kind of just like it's so simple like uh, in terms of the idea of it it's it's transport yourself from a to z right Mm -hmm. now it's not a race a running race where it's a to b because now you have to get to the transition now you have to you know bike and then you have to keep going so i kind of like that idea because you it's like wow, you're training like your your body in three different ways, and you just got to keep going. So I thought um, it was not as boring as as just like running because I have I've ran a marathon before mm-hmm. and did the 2015 Baltimore uh, marathon, and that that sucked. That was mm-hmm. pretty rough. I think more and more I think about it, I'm gonna do it again just to crush my old time, uh, which is like four hours and twenty minutes. 
Coach Todd uh, from Jim Connor, he he ran his marathon in four hours. So when I told him that I ran it in four <laughs> when hours, did he run minutes, that marathon? I don't I don't know. But he when he I told him that he was he laughed in my face he was like I beat you, and I was like oh, oh my shit, God, dude, that's yeah he, he got me he got me for sure. I think that's uh, awesome. Yeah, I'd stopped training because of Jim Connor because I was like I've ran enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I didn't take it serious. Uh, but going back to the triathlons, yeah, I I. I as I've gotten older, I find that it's a little more important, at least for me. I feel uh, better uh, doing some cardio. I mean, I know cardio is kind of like, you know, taboo when you're talking. It's we're gonna talk, conditioning. We're going to take that apart in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But uh, I, I think if, you're, if, you're, if your blood's not flowing well, your heart's not healthy, how can you expect to do anything? And so, and then plus, uh, you know, being getting humbled because there's so many people that they – if they don't pass, if they pass me, if they don't pass me in the swim, which a majority do, my swimming is terrible. Uh, but then you know I'll catch them on the bike, or they'll pass me, or in the run they'll pass me, and it's kind of like I can you know kind of work through it, you know. So it's it's very humbling for me, I, and I frankly I figure like it was like I think a hundred and ten dollars to sign up for the marathon marathon at Baltimore. I signed up for my most recent triathlon. It was eighty bucks for a sprint. So and I finished that triathlon already. Yeah, that, yeah. So yeah, my yeah. triathlon season is 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 over. Um, so you've, for the you've year. done multiple recently. Yeah, this year. I mean, I, in the past couple months, uh, let's see, I did two, two. So mm-hmm. I did one at the end of August. It was Quantico's triathlon, which marked a year from the first triathlon that I had ever done, which is the same same race. Uh, I crushed my time by like over twenty minutes. It was pretty, like, definitely trained this time. Yeah, you yeah. know. The open water swim terrified me. We were swimming in the Potomac. It was disgusting and <laughs> couldn't feel the ground anyways. Um, and then I did, I ended up being a duathlon at Dewey Beach because the water wasn't safe. So, but uh, that was, the bike ride was like very fast. It's all flat, you know, aside from like going over a bridge and then coming back over. Mm. Yeah. So that was, that was, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I, because of that, I definitely want to do um, an Ironman one day. But once my schedule gets set, uh, then because, I mean, with Ironman training, you have to devote your entire time to just that. And right now I'm kind of in love with, with rock climbing, you know, um, gaining appreciation for kind of it's like an, it, it really ends up becoming an existential appreciation because um, – I like uh, through working at Earth Trek, we went on a trip to uh, a mountain in uh, Seneca Rocks out in um, West Virginia. And I'm sitting at the top of this mountain, rigged up. Shout out uh, Sabrina Dawson. She helped me out. You know, she was my trad leader because that's, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Trad climbing. I didn't even know how that shit worked. But she she led me up there. And I was like sitting up at this mountain. It's, it's pretty high up, like, I don't know, a thousand some feet, I guess. I, I'm really. BSing the numbers here, but it's mm-hmm. it's high up for me, and I I just realized like, again, you know how small I am, and it made me appreciate where I'm at. You know, kind of I don't know, like it. I feel like it's a lot of pressure if you're the the you know the hero in the movie. You know what I mean? So like to not be and kind of just do your own thing was like that felt pretty good, you know. And I just keep gaining appreciation, and it's something I suck at. I'm not a very good climber. I can climb hard for me, mm-hmm. you know. I just like having a good time, so. Hopefully that answers that. Yeah, man. Yeah. 